Our new series is called Love in a Broken World. It's a study of the book of Ruth. And, you know, I don't think I really have to prove that our world is broken. You can look around at what's happened over the past few months. Pandemic, illness, people being separated, anger, violence, injustice, death. It's pretty clear that there's problems in the world around us. Now, there are many, many good things about the world, too. And if we take the time to look and to see all the ways God has blessed us in this world, we will be thankful. But that doesn't change the fact that the world is broken. The structures, the countries, the nations, relationships between people are broken and fractured. We see the results of sin, discord, strife, and of course death everywhere we look. But I still have hope for the world. And I have hope because of love. Love can save and change a broken world. Now, I'm not just talking about any kind of love. I'm not talking about an idealistic, all-you-need-is-love approach. No, the kind of love that can save a broken world is God's love, particularly his love expressed through the person and work of Jesus Christ and seen in the book of Ruth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love that saves, redeems a broken world. Thank you that we can know your love and have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. As we prepare to study the book of Ruth, I pray that we will see your love clearly in everything flowing through the pages of this book and in every part of our lives. I pray that as we see you more, you would increase in our affections, our desires, our praises, and that our own personal interests would decrease as we seek to worship you. Thank you for this book that shows us so much of your love. Thank you, God, for that love that gives us hope in a broken world. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. So with possibly a break next week to celebrate our first time back together again, after that, we'll spend about a month or so studying the book of Ruth. And this week, I'd just like to introduce the book a little bit, because this very short book is a beautiful and moving book. And part of what makes it so beautiful is it doesn't ignore the problems in the world. It doesn't brush over the fact that the world is broken and there is suffering. This is a book of heavy brokenness, but also of great joy. It's a book full of sudden, unexpected, tragic death, but also new, joyful life. It's a book where characters are hopeless, and then they come to a place of hopeful faith. This book will show us the toil, the suffering of daily life in a broken world, and also unexpected thrill and joy of things like romance, marriage, children. In this book, we'll meet characters who are bitter and angry toward God, and we'll see them change and grow to a place of trust in him and comfort through him. In this book, we'll see people reject God and what he's doing, and we'll see people come to God, and we'll see people step up and live for him. This book of is full of themes like God's fullness when we're empty, 
God's sovereign purposes, his providence over all things. We learn about God's character. We learn how he protects us, how he controls hearts and minds, and how he will not let his promises to his people die. We'll especially see how God moves in mysterious ways. And sometimes it's only when we step back and look at the big picture that we really see what God is doing. And what he's doing is working for his glory and for the good of those who know him. And because he's doing that, we can also live in kindness, devotion, and trust. We can do that because God's grace knows no bounds. Every kind of person can come to know him. The setting of this book is what makes it so special. This is the book of Ruth. It's the only book in the Old Testament that's named after a non-Israelite. It's named after Ruth, who was a Moabite. If you know a bit about the Bible, I'm not going to get into it right now, but Moabites were descendants of Lot, and their people were born in sin. In our English Bibles, the book of Ruth starts after the book of Judges. And this is a pretty good place to start. After all, the very first words in the book of Ruth are, in the days when the judges ruled. But knowing that kind of helps us understand what's happening. The very last verse in the book of Judges tells us really what the whole book is about. Judges 21-25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, if I told you some people in Judges, people like Gideon, Deborah, Samson, you may think, oh, this is a book of great heroes. But the book of Judges is really not like that. It's an awful book to read, terrible, full of broken people doing terrible things to one another. It's not about heroes. It's actually about great rebellion, God's people rejecting his rules and the suffering that follows and the brokenness that comes to everyone in the land. But knowing that makes this book, the book of Ruth, a shining bright spot of faithfulness, hope, and joy in the broken world reflected in the book of Judges. Now that's in our English Bibles, Ruth shows up after Judges, but in some Hebrew Bibles, the book of Ruth shows up after the book of Proverbs. And I think that's really cool because the very last chapter of Proverbs is Proverbs 31 which has this famous section, which starts in verse 10, an excellent wife or a virtuous woman who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. And then that those verses go on to read this, at the very end of Proverbs 31, starting verse 25, still talking about this same wife. It says, strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands. Let her works praise her in the gates. 
And those are the very last words of Proverbs. And if you were reading some of those versions of the Hebrew Bible, immediately after that, you'd have this book, the book of Ruth, where those character traits are illustrated in a wonderful picture. We're we're told what a virtuous woman is, and then we get a story to see what it looks like. But even then, the book of Ruth really is not about one person. It's not even about this family. It is a book about God's grace. Because you may be thinking, what is this person who lived thousands of years ago in this family, what does that have to do with me at all? Well, the very end of Ruth tells us. What it tells us is that this family, Ruth, Boaz, Naomi, they are ancestors of the famous King David. And we know, if we know our Bibles, that David is an ancestor of Jesus. In the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, in chapter 1, there's a genealogy, a list of Jesus' family. And we read this in verses 5 and 6. Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David, the king. And then it leads on until it gets to Jesus. So this book, the story that happens here, is part of God's preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. This little love story about one little family, really three main characters, this story about just these three humble people is an instrumental part in God sending Jesus to earth. Their story was necessary for God to bring salvation to every person who would come to know him. And it reminds us that we may not be able to tell what God is doing with our lives. When we're in the moment of it, we may be suffering and we don't know why. Even when something good happens, we can't really see how it fits into God's big picture. But God shapes his lives for his glory. He shapes our lives and who we are so that he will be praised. As we study this book, we will learn about the characters in it. We'll learn about God. We'll learn about what Jesus is going to do. And we'll also learn lessons for our own lives. We'll talk about faithful love, devoted love, pure love, and redeeming love. All these things reflect God and his great and perfect love for us. And they also show us how we are to love others. Now, what we're going to do at this moment, is something a little different. We're going to watch a scripture performance. And what that means is some actors, some actresses from the ministry, Piercing Word, they're going to do a, a play, for lack of a better word. But their play is the words of the book of Ruth. They're not adding to it. They're using the words that are here. Actually, though, they're going to start a little bit earlier. They're going to start in the book of Genesis. And they're going to talk about mankind's fall into sin and how that sets up what happens in Ruth. And then they're going to take the very end where we find out that Ruth is an ancestor of David and they're going to turn from that to talk about the New Testament and how Jesus fulfills what was happening in Ruth and how he fixes the brokenness from the Garden of Eden. So you're about to see this performance. It's going to start with a two-minute introduction from the ministry Piercing Word. And then the performance will start. It'll last about 25 minutes or so. 
It's five actors, actresses, and they're performing various parts. There might be one person in one scene and then somebody else in another. But if you're following along in the book of Ruth, you should be able to tell who's who. My prayer for this is that it will help us see how this book, the book of Ruth, fits into the whole Bible. And I pray that then that will help us understand it when we study it. So I hope you enjoy the scripture performance of the book of Ruth. Hi, my name is Caleb Hughes, and I'm the artistic director for Piercing Word. And my name is Aaron House, and I'm the executive director of Piercing Word. Thank you so much for watching this video. The mission of Piercing Word is to ignite passion for the Word of God in the heart of the church through live scripture performances that are taken word for word from the ESV Bible. In other words, the scripture is our script. We believe that God has something to say to each person watching this. And that's because we do not serve a silent God. But we serve a God who speaks, and he speaks through his word. And it's our prayer that that word would take root in your heart and bear fruit in your life. That's why we not only perform scripture, but we challenge everyone, everywhere we go, to engage deeply with the word of God for themselves. And that includes you. If you go to piercingword.org and click on our resources tab, you'll find both memorization challenges and discussion questions based on the scripture performance you're about to see. These are great ways to dig deeper into the passages you're seeing presented and can be done on your own or with a group. You'll be amazed at the impact that memorizing even a handful of verses can have on your own life and on the lives of those around you. You can also check out our website for more information about Piercing Word and the many additional opportunities that we offer. Piercing Word is a full-time nonprofit ministry based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and we're supported solely by the generosity of churches and organizations and individuals such as yourselves who believe in our mission. So if you're blessed by this presentation, please consider making a donation either by going to our website, piercingword.org donate, or you can mail in a donation using the address that you see on your screen. Your partnership in the gospel will allow us to continue engaging others with the word of God in this unique and powerful way. Thank you again for watching. May your hearts be encouraged and your affections stirred for our great God and his piercing word. It's my pleasure to introduce Piercing Word's production of Ruth. The events of this book took place nearly 3,000 years ago, but its relevancy continues today. And that's because Ruth is really a story about going from hopelessness to hope. Both Ruth and Boaz, the heroes of our story, come from families marked by brokenness and shame. Boaz is from the line of Judah. Judah was a man who shamed his widowed daughter-in-law by refusing to provide a husband for her. He brought her further shame by taking advantage of her in a moment of temptation. Ruth is a Moabite. Moabites were not only foreigners and enemies of Israel, but were the descendants of Lot's daughters who took advantage of their drunk father to give themselves children. The ancestry of both families is marked by brokenness. And that brokenness can still be seen in relationships today. And it's traced all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Right after God had created his beautiful world and deemed his handiwork good, humanity rebelled and the world was cursed. In today's word-for-word presentation, you'll see how the curses from Genesis 3 show up again in the book of Ruth. But we invite you to watch how God uses the faithfulness of Ruth and Boaz to reverse the curses from the garden and continue the line of promise for a future redeemer, an ultimate redeemer, 
who would one day set us free from sin and even death itself. May you be encouraged today that no matter your past or how broken you may feel, God loves to redeem broken people as he offers hope through faith in Christ. Enjoy Ruth. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. (laughs) Well, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I command you not to eat from? The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I... Eight. What is this you have done? The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring. He will bruise your head. And you will bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Through pain you shall give birth to children. Your desires will be contrary to your husband, but he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you've listened to the voice of your wife, and you've eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it will produce for you. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for from it you are taken. For you are dust, and to dust you will return. Therefore the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good from evil, lest he reach out and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. 
Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. In the days when the judges ruled. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. There was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. And the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrodites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went to the country of Moab, and they remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years. Then both Malan and Kilian died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. (laughs) Then she rose with her two daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return, each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. And she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept, and they said to her, No! No, we will return with you to your people! Turn back, my daughters! Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way! For I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons... Would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her, and she said, See, Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. Where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me 
and more also of anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? When the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And when they came to Jerusalem, it was the beginning of barley harvest. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go and glean among the fields of grain. After him in whose sight I shall find favor. Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers... May the Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she's continued since early morning until now, except for short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go and glean in another field. Or leave this one, but keep close to my young woman. Let your eyes be on the fields that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And if you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Everything that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. How you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a place that you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come, eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she still had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also... Pull some out from the bundles for her in order for her to glean. And do not rebuke her. Come on. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went to the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? 
blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. May he be blessed by the Lord. His kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. (laughs) The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself. Then put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you what to do. All that you say... I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, the woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter, for you have made this last kindness even greater than the first, that you have not gone after younger men, whether poor or rich. And now, do not fear, my daughter, for I will do all that you have asked. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Now, it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is one nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Now, lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning. But arose before one could recognize another. And he said to her, Let it not be known that this woman came to the threshing floor last night. Bring the garment that you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said to her, How did you fare, my daughter? So she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Oh, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. (laughs) Now, Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. Uh, So Boaz said to him, 
Turn aside, friend. Sit down here. So he turned aside and sat down. Then Boaz took ten men of the elders of the city and said to them, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then Boaz said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who's returned from the country of Moab, is selling a parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those seated here, in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you're not willing to redeem it, tell me so that I may know. For there's no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people who were at the gate, You are witnesses this day that I bought from the hands of Naomi all that belonged to Limelech and all that belonged to Malan and Killian. Also, Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, I have bought to be my wife in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We We are are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give to you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is worth more to you than, than seven sons, has given birth to him. And Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the young women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And David was the father of Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, the father of Asaph, the father father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, the father of Uzziah, the father of Jotham, the father of Ahaz, the The father father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, the father of Amos, the father of Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, the the father of Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud, the father of Eliakim, the father of Azor, the father of Eliud, the father of Eliezer, the father of Nathan, the father of Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus is born. Who is called Christ. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel 
that Christ died in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with the mouth that you confess your faith and are saved. (sighs) Truly, truly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. For that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For as by a man came death, so also by a man has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new.
I hope you enjoyed that performance, that presentation of the book of Ruth. Do you see how special this little tiny book is? I'm really excited to study it with you in the coming weeks. But for now, I want us to think about what we just watched. The events of the book of Ruth are part of God's plan. It's part of how he's reversing the curses that came when mankind sinned in the Garden of Eden. And it's a reminder to us that God loves to redeem broken people. Through Ruth, through Boaz, through David, and most importantly, through Jesus, God has brought love into a broken world. And now we can have those blessings that the performance showed us. We can have eternal life through Jesus. We can have a new birth with our sin nature gone. We can have reconciliation. We can be restored to God and we can be restored to one another. And through Jesus, we can experience new heavens and the new earth. These blessings are ours if we know Jesus. So let me ask you, do you know him? He is the one God sent to save us from those curses by him coming and living a perfect life, dying on our behalf, raising Being risen to new life, he is able to save us. If we turn from our sin and place our faith and trust in him, then we can have a relationship with him. We can be restored to God. We can know love in a broken world. If you do not know Jesus, I encourage you to reach out to me or get in touch with someone who you know is a follower of Christ about how you can know Jesus too. And if you do know Jesus and you have a relationship with him, then I pray you'll take this time to praise him for who he is and for that amazing, redeeming, powerful love that he brings into our broken world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the book of Ruth and how it shows us about your love that heals, that redeems brokenness. I pray that if anyone doesn't know you, they will turn from sin and come to have a relationship with you. And for those of us who do, may we praise you every day for the love that you show us. May we reflect your love to others. We can't do that on our own, but only as we know you. So help us to know you more and more, better and better every day. Thank you for first knowing and loving us through the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.